Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the We Will Break the Stigma podcast. I hope that you all have been doing well and that things have been in your life have been happy, safe, and fulfilling. Today, I am just so happy to be joined by another great, great friend of mine that goes back a long, a long time um, to follow up with my other friend, Alexander. I just couldn't be more thrilled that um, a friend that I've had for so long is opening up and, and coming on the podcast today. It really makes me think and be thankful of the fact that this really truly is a movement that's just starting to be in motion and that I'm getting people that are very close to me that I thought might never want to come on something like this to come on and, and share with me what, what they've experienced and open up to in the hopes that other people will as well. And to be honest, I, I never thought I would open up either. So it's just been remarkable to see myself open up and then others around me do the same thing. So today I'm talking to Devin Finnegan, who is one of my best friends from growing up in my hometown and childhood. And I've known Devin since being in, in fifth grade class with him. And we've, we've been close really ever since. And today we're going to talk about Devin's decision to quit drinking alcohol and his advice to others. This is really personal to me as well, because as many of you know, I have been without alcohol for over five years. And it's been one of the decisions in my life that I've been most proud of. And it's just so special to have Devin along in that journey with me. So I'm really excited to talk to him. We're going to talk about um, binge drinking leading to increased challenges uh, with deciding to quit and receiving support with quitting, um, challenges with drinking that Devin experienced, his decision to quit, and some changes that he's seen in his life after quitting drinking. So with that, I'll introduce Devin and welcome him to the show. Thank you, Adam. Very happy to be here. Um, obviously, you know, you were kind of the first, really, of our friend group to, you know, let the booze go. And, you know, it's really a remarkable accomplishment. I know you just said you're on five years. I just uh, reached three years sober um, as of kind of the beginning of 2019. But really happy to be here and just kind of discuss, you know, my experiences with alcohol. And like you said, just my decision to kind of let it go and, and go sober. So really happy to dive into it. And thank you for considering me for your podcast. Of course. And I, I just have to admit when you uh, quit drinking in 2019 and I had been sober for, I guess, about a, maybe, maybe a little under two years, I guess, if you've been sober for three, um, I, I have to admit that, you know, my first reaction was I cannot believe somebody else has gone through this as well at this age. Um, because I felt so alone when I, when I quit drinking, cause I didn't know anybody else that was sober and not, and not drinking anymore. So when you decided to quit, I, you know, one, I was happy for you to make that decision and to do something that was so positive for yourself and, and empowering for yourself. But I also was like, wow, there is somebody else out there that 
I know very well and that I've known very well that is experiencing something similar to me. So, you know, I, I think when I learned that you were going to quit, I was instantly invested in understanding and trying to help as, as best as I could. And obviously that was very apparent to me at the beginning because, you know, I don't know, listeners who maybe have struggled with substance abuse or, you know, maybe are thinking of even just going dry January or taking a break from drinking and just seeing what happens. Like it is a pretty eye-opening process. And I know we'll get into a little bit more of that later, but, you know, it was, it was very helpful. Like I know the first month that I went sober, we took like a lads trip to Charleston to come see you. And that was kind of like the first real time that I was in a big setting surrounded by booze, you know, not necessarily that I was itching to drink again, but just, you know, knowing that you were there and that while everyone else was drinking, it was totally fine to just be sober and enjoy you know, the night and you don't have to use alcohol as a crutch, which is what I did for years. You know, it, it definitely helped kind of pave the way. And we had such a good time that weekend that it was like, okay, it was like the validation almost that I needed. That was like, Hey, you can be just fine in social settings without alcohol. Look at what Adam's done for, you know, like you said, just under two years at that point. And it was just that validation I needed to think that, hey, this is the right decision for me. Right. And it is, like you said, a very personal thing because, you know, alcohol ran its course with me. It it had gone to a point where I really kind of needed to stop drinking and it was holding me. I felt like it was really holding me back and I wasn't accomplishing what I wanted to in life. And I feel like alcohol was a huge reason because of that. I was just wasting my time and money and energy and mental stress and all of that, just wasting it down a bottle. And, you know, again, just people like you who are ahead of the curve, it did really help when I kind of started my sobriety. And I know we have other friends of ours that have floated the idea and maybe done a dry January or something like that. So it is, you know, it is definitely worth discussing. Definitely. And I, I do remember that when you quit, you, you had initially started off by saying you were going to, you were going to be sober for a while and you were going to be, it was right at the beginning of, of 2019. Yeah. Um, You had said that it was a new year's resolution to me. And can you talk a little bit about what you were thinking in that moment? Like, did you, did you know that it was going to be longer than that? Had you not decided or what, what caused you to, you know, to word it that way instead of saying, I'm just quitting? Yeah, I think it was just probably, it's such a dramatic change that I, I think I wanted to maybe give myself the out if it wasn't working, right? And if, you know, it even made it worse, that if, you know, I, I wanted to just say, oh, I'll take some time off versus, you know, deciding this is it for good, because, you know, by the time that I was coming to the end and we can get into that a little bit when I was realizing, you know, over the span of a year plus that alcohol and I did not have a very good relationship and that I didn't really know how to drink as crazy as it sounds, considering I'd done it so regularly. It just, you know, I, I didn't know how to control myself with alcohol. And so I think when I decided to just go cold turkey and just cut it off, you know, it's such a change that I didn't necessarily want to be so black and white about it. I kind of just wanted to see how it went, you know, see how it was being in social settings without it, see if it was a thing that maybe, you know, okay, figure some other things out, you know, get other 
areas of my life in line. And then, okay, I can pick the ba- the drinking back up. I didn't really understand kind of how much, <laughs> how deeply rooted into a lot of different areas of my life that alcohol was. So I think it was more so just, I didn't necessarily get the, I didn't understand the scope of the decision probably. And also I just wanted to maybe give myself that out in case it just didn't go well for whatever reason. So, but I mean, I think now certainly three years into it, I don't ever see myself going back ever again. Yeah. That's, that's such a a good point because one of the things that, that I did when I quit is um, I actually used and I'll, I'll link it in the podcast description. So you guys can look at it. Um, I used the subreddit that my, um, my uh, alcohol counselor from the University of Delaware, um, uh, Jennifer Maslow, uh, recommended to me. Um, and she, Jennifer, is uh, somebody that I just couldn't be more thankful for, um, giving me somebody to talk to about all of the challenges that I was experiencing that a lot of my peers at the time and even adults above me just couldn't understand because they'd never been in the same position as me. Um, so her and I met weekly throughout my, um, throughout my journey of being coming sober while at college, um, in my senior year. Um, and I I, I don't know how you did that. Like considering, like, I really got to give you a lot of props. The fact that you went sober during the middle of college is that, I mean, when you're a young adult, it's one thing, but like, I feel like you're just not as immersed in it as you are in college, especially, you know, fraternity culture, like we were both in, it's just like that takes a lot of cojones. So I got to give you credit. So, yeah, well, I, I really appreciate that, but you know, to say it was, to say it was easy or like this, um, you know, really like pretty journey is, is obviously not true as you can imagine. Um, it was, uh, it was pretty ugly to be honest. Um, you know, looking back on it, I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful that I made the decision that I stuck to it, but Um, you know, it consisted of, you know, the first time I, I wasn't going to go out, um, you know, for, for a Saturday during the day for a a day drink that we always had of, you know, really of locking myself in my room and saying I was studying to people, um, so that I could stay in and be away from the alcohol and, um, you know, just cause I simply couldn't be around it. Cause I was so worried that I would just say, this is too hard and pick up a drink. Um, and that also consist con- continued to me just getting off campus on days where there was going to be a lot of drinking on the weekends. Um, just because it was, there wasn't anything else to do in my social s- circle and in my social sphere that wasn't around drinking at the time. You know, I, I, so I really had to remove myself from a lot of it. Now I eventually could go back into those situations. Um, but it was several months of just removing myself. And, and I do have to also be honest that it was several months of substituting smoking weed for drinking. One of the first things I did when I quit drinking, um, was I bought a bomb. Um, and cause I had this, this mantra, of anything but alcohol. Now, anything was a stretch, you know, I, I, I don't do hard drugs or anything, but I would, I would smoke weed or treat myself to some sort of, you know, nice meal 
to not drink and to still get some sort of, you know, high for lack of a better word, because of that addiction and the, the hold it had on me. So that's kind of what it looked like in the early days of, of not drinking, like with so many cravings and so much, just such a challenge and such a change. Um, and that, you know, I really didn't make it through college without having some really, really good friends that understood. And with also just giving myself the grace of understanding that this decision meant everything to me. And I was going to do whatever it took to, to stick with it. And that's what, that's why I've been able to, you know, not pick up a drink and relapse five years since. So, and we'll, we'll talk about how you, um, how you, you know, were able to quit and what that looked like for you and what, what strategies you, you know, employed to do that as well. I, I do want to start by talking about, um, what drinking looked like for you um, and what problems you were having with it and maybe why you think, why you think you were drinking and having some, you know, some significant challenges with it. If you, if you do know now reflecting. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I didn't start drinking alcohol until I was 16 years old. And if I'm not mistaken, I actually think the first time I ever drank alcohol was in your basement. I'm pretty sure um it was yeah for, yeah uh hopefully my mom and dad aren't listening <laughs> <laughs> mark mark and jackie we were nothing but respectful in that basement i promise um exactly. but no so you know and we were probably just going to some party or something and i mean you know when you're 16 and it's you know obviously illegal and you know you're you're first starting to kind of experiment with drugs and alcohol and things that are i guess a, adult right you're kind of getting into high school and you know your friends are drinking and, you know, it's, you just, I remember thinking at the beginning, I'm like, okay, well, this is kind of just what people do. This is what they do to socialize. This is what they do to loosen up. This is what they do to have fun. And like, I'll say this too. I think, especially at the beginning in high school, like through junior and senior year, I didn't feel like I was the most maybe outgoing, extroverted, talkative person for, you know, especially with people I didn't necessarily know. Like, I don't know, maybe people would agree or disagree with that, but I feel like internally I had a lot of anxiety and a lot of uh, maybe self-doubt about who I was at that point in my life. And I mean, I'm 16. Who doesn't experience that, right? Like who who is 100% certain with who they are at 16 years old? So I think because of that, I would take to alcohol and it was really, I mean, it was really fun back in the day to just like have a couple of drinks and go be at a party. I mean, I remember having some absolute great times in high school when I was first starting to drink and, you know, you're 16, 17, 18 years old. You're just kind of a kid. You don't really know a whole lot about where it's going or you don't really have a plan. It was more just kind of like, you know, this is something that I enjoy doing. It's fun. It's making me a little more extroverted. It's making me a little less anxious socially and things like that. And so I felt it as a way that, Hey, maybe I can be, you know, at a party and drink and I'll be able to open up a little bit. So that's kind of, I guess, where it started. I didn't think anything of it in high school, right? It, I never thought that I had a problem with it. And then even through college, I mean, because high school is one thing. College, I mean, there's no parental supervision, not at least direct, right? You're kind of off on your own. You're living in your own dorms. You're with a ton of people your own age who are all basically doing the same thing. And, 
you know, they're, they're binge drinking, going to parties, binge drinking, trying to make friends and, you know, all of that. And I don't know, I just feel like at that point when I was in college, I would just, it was such a default setting that if I was going out, I would want to get drunk. It wasn't even, I want to have a couple of drinks. It's I want to get drunk, right? That is the, that is the purpose in my head. I'm like, why else would I be drinking if, unless I were trying to achieve that objective, if that makes sense, where it just feels like this is something I'm doing because this is what you do when you're young and you're in college and you're in high school, you just, you have drinks. And like, (laughs) I mean, maybe we can dive into a little bit of the college drinking kind of binge drinking culture, because I mean, looking back on it, it's, it's crazy. Like to, to look back at some of the things that we did and it was just so normalized back in college, like so many habits that, you know, with a lens, when you're 27 years old, you look back and you're just like, I can't believe I did that. Like, you know, like drinking a full fifth of, of whiskey and just, you know, we had a day that's just senior fifth day where all seniors before their last home football tailgate, they drink a fifth of liquor, like by themselves. It's like, that's insane. Like that's something that no one needs to do ever to drink a full fifth of (laughs) of alcohol. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but it's just so normalized. Like it's just such a common thing. Like we had, you know, obviously drinking traditions with the fraternity and just with being seniors, you know, senior drinking traditions. And when, when you're in college, I mean, at least I felt this way. I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was totally normal. It was completely fine. You know, nothing was wrong. It was really until I graduated from undergrad and kind of went out into, you know, the quote unquote real world where the rules of college don't really apply anymore. Right. It's like whatever world or bubble you're in in college where, you know, you use alcohol in such a unhealthy way in such a harmful way it just, it it starts to catch up with you. And I don't even mean from like a, from like a psychological standpoint, like the damage that alcohol can do to one's mental state or, you know, and anything like that. It's just, I don't know. I think becoming an adult and experimenting with alcohol when you're out of college, it's just a whole different ballgame. And that's really where it kind of started to, to just, it started to become more obvious that maybe I didn't have the best healthiest relationship with alcohol. So I think, you know, to summarize, it was something that I did in high school and college to be social, to be extroverted. And it's because it's what everyone else was doing. And at the time, you just didn't think anything of it. But, you know, now when you, when you graduate and become an adult, maybe you start to realize things aren't as great as they could be. It's funny. I relate to basically everything you just said and that is partly my experience as well um, with, and my, my experience actually what tipped me to uh, kind of change my opinion on alcohol was something that happened during my freshman year um, when I got uh, in trouble at a concert, just Mm -hmm. getting, you know, just absolutely destroyed and, which was something that was so normal to do. Um, you know, you, you heard stories of people, you know, getting really hurt, you know, damaging, getting, getting into, you know, uh, car accidents or getting, uh, so drunk that they, you know, die or, or, or get really injured and you never, it's true. You never really think that'll be you. 
Right. Um, Until it's you. Exactly. And, and, and it's, it's like the, uh, the saying, you know, you, if you keep doing something that isn't working, that's the definition of, um, you know, being a psychopath, if I'm not wrong. Right. I think it's a definition of insanity. It's like doing insanity. Yeah. Like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah. So, you know, and I was drinking very risk, you know, in very risky ways, drinking way too much, binge drinking, not being able to control it. And, you know, it finally hit me for the second time when I got in trouble. And, um, that flipped my whole relationship with alcohol. I started to dread drinking alcohol. I started to feel horrible after drinking. I, I, I knew my body was telling me that I shouldn't be doing this, this thing that was so damaging to me, but I couldn't stop. And it, it really, it took me three years after that event to, um, to really make a change and to do something about it. And because it was just so normalized. And even when I would, when, when I had that happen to me, nobody told me maybe you should stop, you know, Mm -hmm. like (laughs) something that seems so obvious looking back now, you know, but I'm 27 now and like, I'm more mature. And I understand that these, you know, that there are dangers to doing something like that. Um, I think the other thing that occurred was I remember I was told, um, you know, by somebody in my life that the more often I would binge drink, the more likely it was that I was going to have a substance abuse problem. Um, and I'm also predisposed to substance abuse because, uh, and, and alcoholism, um, not substance abuse, actually just alcoholism because of the, you know, my genetic makeup and my family history. And, you know, I thought the same thing. That won't be me. You know, what do you mean? Like that doesn't happen to, you know, people that are quote unquote successful. And, you know, you just, you feel invincible. You just feel completely invincible. I I was doing well in school, like you're in high school. And then I was doing, you know, okay. And like, I wasn't doing great in college. Um, but I was still passing and, you know, I was still, you know, doing okay. But one of the other things that kind of tipped me off, uh, Devin, to actually quitting is, and you said it, like the, the real world is different. I remember I would just, I would get hammered, you know, the night before my internship um, in, in college or the night before classes. And, you know, sometimes I wouldn't make it to those classes. Mm-hmm. A couple of times I didn't make it to the internship. And I realized, you know, when you have to go to work every day and get up, you know, you can't just sleep in because you're hung over, yeah. you know, like you're going to get fired and like, yeah. you're not going to be able to have an income and live. So like, I re- I started to realize that all these things that I was like protected from and invincible with, were going to go away eventually. Yeah. yeah and there's, and- a, there's, there's a fear that comes with that, where it's like you said, you like before when I was drinking and binge drinking, it was all fun. It was all fun and games. It was all hey, this is something we're doing to enjoy our night. It just became this massive point of stress in my life. And, you know, I feel like our arcs are relatively similar where I echo the same thing of I was getting in trouble, you know, with the school. And 
just, you know, I think for full disclosure, I'll just kind of go into it a little bit. The thing probably more than anything that tipped me off to, hey, maybe you have a problem with this is in 2017, like after I graduated from college, I was drinking and driving all the time. Like it just became such a normalized habit for me that I didn't think anything of it. And like, I know we had nights together where we I'd have a few pops and then I just get behind the wheel of a car and you kind of pulled me aside and said, you can't keep doing this. Like, this is, this is not, this is not a good habit. You, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt somebody else. And of course, like you just said, you have that cloak of invis- invincibility around you that I'll be fine. What are you talking about? Like, nothing's going to happen to me. Right. And so it was just really, really poor judgment and poor decision-making like one day after the other, where, and especially with the job I was working at the time, it was very conducive to drinking and driving where I'd work a shift I'd go out with my coworkers. We'd all have probably five or six beers. And then I'd just drive home. And it was completely normal to me. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. And, you know, I think people listening can kind of guess where this is going. I ended up getting arrested for suspicion of DWI. I mean, it's, and I'll tell you this, like there's no, and there's no more sobering experience than being handcuffed in the back of a cop car. It just doesn't exist. Like, to just feel like you messed up that much in your life. And again, you know, I graduated from a good school. I came from a really good family that, you know, was very supportive and very good to me. I had really good friends around me and I was still just making such poor life decisions all centered around alcohol that I ended up in this really, really uh, unenviable spot. Now, I mean, without getting too much into the specifics of what actually happened, it was just a situation that was so eye-opening and really at that moment, you start to think, hey, maybe I don't have the best relationship with this. And after that, again, I felt so guilty that it happened. I felt so bad about myself and where I was. And, you know, because it wasn't just, oh, you got in trouble with law enforcement. It's you're like not anywhere where you want to be right now. Like I, I didn't like the person that was looking me back in the mirror. I wasn't proud of it. I wasn't satisfied. I felt really guilty and bad because of it. And, you know, it can, it can turn that quickly. Cause again, I was doing it all the time and I thought it was totally normal and completely fine. And then one super bad moment and you know, everything gets flipped on its head. And I think it's important for me to say this. I was kind of hesitant. Like, do I actually want to go into like specifics? Cause I didn't tell a lot of people I didn't, you know, cause I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed by it. It was, a, it was a point of shame. It was a really low point being, you know, experiencing that moment. But I think it's important for people to hear like, that this, this stuff, if left unattended, it really can be vicious and it can, it can really start to numb and normalize really, really bad habits and bad decision-making. And it can be anybody, right? It can be anybody, even if they're well-meaning and they're not a bad person and they just, they think they're invincible. They think they can do this and there's going to be no repercussions. And, you know, as is often the case, kind of life hits you in the face a little bit and wakes you up. And so it took about a year and a few months after that to when I went full sober, but man, that year and a half, I I mean, I I always said I was batting 500 when I would go out. Some nights I'd go out and I'd still have a good time. Other nights I went out and it was like just miserable, like being out so anxious, so stressed out, so unhappy with the way things were going, you know, times where I would literally have to leave the bar because I was like ready to break down. It was like, I, I can't be around anyone right now. Like this is, this is not good. Like just, it, it, it would happen way too regularly. And just finally one day, I mean, just that new year's 
at New Year's Eve, it was the same thing. I was out. Everything was fine. All of a sudden I started feeling like shit. I had to leave the bar and just, again, I was sitting there like, I'm so sick and tired of feeling like this. This is, and it's, I know what the answer is. I know what is causing this. So I just need to make a decision. And right from there, it was like, I'm done with this shit. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I can't keep doing it. And from there, it was just, you know, into the world of sobriety, which is its own thing entirely. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it did kind of start with a couple of those moments. And of course, you know, there were other instances where you act like a fool when you're drunk and you have to send the apology text in the morning and, you know, you feel like death for two days, you know, just laying in your bed, miserable, you know, angry at the world. I mean, we've all been there. We've all been hung over. It's like they started just getting really, really bad. And the nights out were really bad. Like, so it, it was a combination of a lot of things, but it definitely started with, you know, my troubles that I ran into. And I think it's glad or I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, it, it could seem like, especially to our friend group that it kind of came out of left field, but you know, there obviously were reasons behind it. And I think it's important for, for people to know. Yeah. Uh, and I applaud you. And um, I know we talked a lot about this and I, I wasn't sure if you were going to talk about what, ex what exactly happened. Um, you know, and I truthfully, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I, one of my bad experiences with alcohol, uh, there are many, um, yeah. you know, but one of, yeah. one of the, one of the, the, you know, the, the worst ones, um, was I, I, the next morning after drinking just way too much, I, you know, wet drove, was driving home, um, and should not have been driving because I was still feeling the alcohol from the night before. And I, I actually crashed and, um, and, and flipped my car and somehow escaped with just a cut on my pinky. And, uh, you know, was, was, uh, took taken, uh, to the hospital just to be evaluated. You know, they wanted to see, make sure that I didn't have any head injuries or anything. Everything was fine, but you know, that very well, probably should have been a DUI. Um, and, you know, I also don't talk about it because there is a lot of shame around, you know, drinking and driving and, you know, getting a, a DUI. Um, but I applaud you because a lot of people have done, you know, that and just don't talk about it because it is so shameful. Um, you know, that is something that weighs on me a lot. And I think about just how lucky I am that I'm not hurt and that I'm and here to, too. Like yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, and it, it, when I think back on that, I just think about, you know, how I was felt so invincible that I was making selfish decisions, yeah. um, just which, decisions without any, you know, thought of who else could be a potential, you know, potential collateral damage, right? Because it couldn't be me because I'm invincible, right? It's it's just a lot of ego goes into that. And I think, you know, such a stark, you know, sharp reminder, like you just said, like crashing your car or getting arrested or something, like it's a very, very sobering experience, you know. And and it it certainly is. And and Devin, I, you know, I'm I mean, I'm not really ashamed of anything. Um, you know, I'm I mean. I am ashamed of that um, decision. I shouldn't say that, but I don't hold that shame with me because right. I know I've done 
what I can to be a better person and to work on myself. But, you know, and what I am just struck by is the fact that, you know, I'm going to admit to you and the whole the audience that after this, you know, after I crashed my car that, you know, that morning, uh, I went out drinking that night. Yeah. Um, like, because I didn't think anything of it. I was fine. You know, I, I escaped, you know, it was just a shitty situation and I didn't even think that alcohol, you know, I, I was so disillusioned by this feeling of invincibility and that I was going to be okay. And, you know, that bad stuff doesn't happen to, you know, to me, um, that I was drinking that next day. And it was the same thing as, as, as when I got in trouble during freshman year of college. I, you know, I went out that same day too. Um, <laughs> that was how bad the, the, the feeling that I, you know, I was going to be okay. And I, you know, that this wasn't a problem was. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, it's, and the thing that's funny is I remember talking to my cousin after it happened and kind of explaining, you know, what went down and it just, he did say at that moment, even then he was like, Hey, look, you know, you can dwell on this. You can beat yourself up. You can feel like a loser. You can, you know, just, you can do a lot of things that aren't going to actually help or, you know, maybe use it as a time to kind of press the pause button and self-evaluate and think of, okay, how did I get in this situation? Well, first of all, how do I get myself out of the situation? But how did I get to this situation? And from that answer, what do I need to do to ensure that it doesn't happen again? Right? Like, what are the positive things? And, you know, I had talked to plenty of people. It wasn't just my cousin who told me that, but he did say that, look, you in a couple of years, you may look back on this moment almost like fondly, almost as like, hey, this was a real moment where I made a positive change, where I was making a lot of mistakes. I was, you know, I was making a lot of poor decisions, a lot of poor uses of judgment, but using it as a step stool to a better life. And it sometimes needs to be that dramatic where, like you said, you just, you don't think it can happen to you until it does, until it's, until you're right in the middle of it, confronting it. And it's just, it, it sucks. It's a, it's a brutal process, but it was a very necessary one to get to where I am today. So I think he was right. I think I can look back on it, the decision-making and all that going into it. Yes. Very poor decision-making, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. At the same time, I don't beat myself up over it because of the progress that has been made where it was that stepping stool moment towards a better way of living. And I really do believe that. I do believe in, you know, your biggest failures or your biggest, you know, moments of shame or guilt can really be the biggest turning points. And I think, you know, maybe you and I are good examples of that where we made poor decisions, but we were able to at least make something positive out of it. So you know, and the thing is, is that I think is interesting is a lot of what we just described. It's like it, it, a lot of people are going through stuff like that where they have guilt or they have shame or they have moments where they really felt low. And, you know, it, it's just all about making a change and how to how to deal with it and how to, you know, be a better person as a result and only using the negative emotion to motivate, right? Not to just bludgeon yourself and beat yourself up and say, you know, all that negative self-talk, you're no good, you're never, and you know, <laughs> easier said than done. I mean, I went through that. I don't know if you went through that as well. Again, some some low points, you know, mentally, just beating yourself up for 
making really poor decisions. And like, I put myself in this situation. No one else did. I did. And so, you know, it was that kind of watershed moment that allowed for a change. So again, I just kind of wanted to touch on that and think that, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily that we're like, you're a bad person. If something like this happens, right. It just maybe means you were misguided. You have used poor decision-making, you use poor judgment in that moment. And what are you going to do about it? You know, how are you going to get yourself out of it? So I think it's important to bring that up. It, it for sure is. Um, I, I actually, I wrote a blog about that, um, about how I use my, you know, my lowest points to continue motivating myself to live that I, the way I want to live, um, you know, which is sober um, and without alcohol and trying to, you know, um, learn from my mistakes and, and share them, um, mm. not, not, not bury them. Um, and also not, you know, consistently just, you know, destroy and, 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 and use self-hate against myself for these, you know, awful decisions I made, um, because that's not productive either. Right. And, you know, we all deserve second chances and, um, you know, I just couldn't, I'm really thankful that for us, you know, we've kind of made it to a point where we, we didn't do something that was, you know, going to be with us forever. Um, you know, we did make mistakes, but they're mistakes that we've learned from. And I think that's the biggest and most important piece, um, about a mistake. Cause if you don't learn from it, then that's something where there's a problem, but I'm just, I, I look back on this time and honestly, like you said, it's kind of interesting. I'm thankful for the journey because it's led me to where I am today. And it wasn't always that way. I, I was, I really did not like who I was um, and just was really not living the way I knew I could and the way I knew I wanted to. And I was pretending to be somebody I wasn't. Um, and it took a long time to, to really let myself feel that and recognize that it's okay and that I can be the person I want to be. Um, so it certainly wasn't easy, but that's really important for people to remember that are trying to, you know, make a change and, and, and do something, you know, positive for themselves to, to, to forgive themselves and understand that, you know, it's, it's not always going to be easy and, you know, life's going to, life's going to really hit you in the face, like you said. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a matter of getting up and, and trying to get on the path that you want to be on. And Devin, I want to say like, you know, I, I never was told that I had a problem by anybody. Um, And I think that, you know, so I had to realize it myself. I think that one of the reasons that was the case is because um, I think a lot of people that see like somebody as an alcoholic or somebody with a problem with alcohol or a substance is somebody that, you know, the way I saw it is somebody that, you know, is drinking a six pack or a 12 pack alone, you know, on a Sunday or Monday night, you know, and, and they have, you know, just beer cans all over their, their, you know, their floor when they're drinking alone um, you know, that's what I saw a alcoholic as. And 
that wasn't me. So I, I think in a way I, I, I didn't realize that binge drinking was such a problem and another form of alcoholism. I think so. I mean, I think kind of it, it, what you just said, like part of what you just said transitions nicely into, you know, I had to give up alcohol to be the person that I, you know, not to get corny, but like was supposed to be right. And now that process, that was definitely, I mean, talk about, you know, a, a learning curve, you know, going sober. I had no idea just how anxious I was, you know, being in social settings. Like I said, I kind of mentioned it at the beginning where maybe that was part of the reason why I started drinking was, you know, it, it was a way to be social. It was a way to relax, way to be extroverted. But what that's really doing is it's just suppressing any anxiety that is there. It's just, oh, I'm numbing it. So I don't feel it in that moment. So I just kind of pretend that it doesn't exist but it's there. It's still, it's always there. It's never not there. And, you know, being stone sober in public at parties, at bars, you know, at sporting events and you name it, it's just, I, I had no idea that I had so much anxiety and I almost felt like I, I didn't know how to talk to people. Like that was one thing too, where you just in the middle of a conversation, you know, I, I just feel, I felt like the words weren't coming to me, like, cause I was just so in my own head about who I was and how anxious that everything made me feel. And, you know, it's a learning curve. It's definitely, it was an uncomfortable year. It was an uncomfortable experience having to go through that. But overall, I think, you know, and I've had this discussion with other people about how I don't think I'd be where I am. Actually, I know that I would not be where I am today if I still had the drinking tendencies that I did back when I was younger, I don't think there's any chance. And so I, I think, you know, that process, that very, very uncomfortable, you know, grueling process of trying to figure out who I am, what do I want out of this life? What do I hope to achieve? Am I, am I happy with the person that's staring back at me in the mirror, that type of thing, you know, it's really important to kind of go through that. And, you know, it's very personal, right? People have different ways that they go about doing that. But for me personally, alcohol just completely numbed that entire process. And it is uncomfortable, but it's super, super necessary. And I feel like a lot of positive changes come uh, from going through it. Definitely. Can you talk about that positive change? And the question that I have for you is, do you feel like, you know, yeah, you were uncomfortable at first without it for sure, as, as anybody would be, but do you feel like you're more, a more confident person in social settings about yourself and just in general now that you're not drinking? Oh, for sure. I think without a doubt. I mean, I, I can use this past weekend as an example. I was at, uh, my brother's wedding celebration in Brooklyn. And again, weddings are very boozy events where people are, you know, hitting the champagne and, you know, bars paid for and all that. But it was third wedding I'd been to just stone sober. And, you know, you, I just felt completely comfortable there. And it's interesting. My brother has said to me before that, you know, he's like, when we're hanging out, like I almost, I almost can't tell that you're not drinking. Like I have no idea. And that's, that's good. That's where that's, that's really good feedback because that's where I want to be. I want it to be to a point where if somebody is stone sober, then that's, it's not like something that needs to be said. It's not something that needs to be made a big deal. And that's actually, you know, now that I kind of think I'm thinking out loud, that's a really interesting part that I noticed at the beginning when I was socializing is, you know, when I would go over to somebody's house, 
or go to a bar and meet up with them, I felt like I almost had to announce to them like, hey, I'm not drinking like no, no booze for me. No, no drinks for me. And I'll get into another interesting kind of corollary off of that. But now it's just I don't need to tell anyone anything like, you know what I mean? It's like I don't need to say anything. It's like I can just not drink and be a person. And that's totally fine. No one cares. And so that was something it's, it's the most, and you know, and I'm not going to get, um, you know, I'm not going to get, you know, too, too preachy on this. Um, but, but, and we talk about it, it's, you know, completely asinine that somebody should be questioned and ridiculed and, you know, like, fortunately this didn't really happen to me at all, but I've seen it happen to people that they're making a decision that's positive for them, that they're not putting this thing in their body that causes them problems. It'd be like if somebody got, you know, made fun of for not eating peanuts, if they were allergic to peanuts, you know, because it affects their body in a negative way. Like the fact that somebody isn't drinking should never be something that people, you know, harp on and, uh, you know, kind of just obsessed with, um, you know, it's just, it, I think it just is alcohol is just so in, 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 ingrained in society. Um, and that's totally fine. I believe that alcohol is a, you know, a neutral substance and anything in moderation, you know, is okay. But for, for, you know, folks like me and you, you know, alcohol doesn't click the same way that, you know, uh, a food that we can't eat, doesn't click. Um, so, you know, I, I just think I had to do the same thing. Like I would, you know, I, I felt like I had to announce to the whole world that I wasn't drinking so that people wouldn't ask me over and over, you know, why I wasn't drinking. Um, but what I have realized over time, and I hope you've realized the same thing is that, you know, the people that really care about you don't care at all. Yeah. And and like, to be fair, and anybody that does care, that reflects on them. Not exactly. Here. Exactly. That was just what I was going to say. Like the overwhelming majority of my interactions with people post sobriety have been unbelievably positive. Like it has been very supportive, you know, and again, people don't care. Like people are doing their own thing. They have their own things in life to figure out. I'm not front of mind. It's almost like egotistical to even think that like, I felt like I needed to do it. Cause like, I'm just that big a deal and people need to know, you know what I mean? Where it's like, in reality, people are doing their own thing and they can have a drink and that's fine. I'm not going to have a drink. That's also fine. No one really cares. I can only think of Devin. I call that the the star of your own movie. Um, You know, like everybody is the star of their own movie, just like you, you are, you're looking out for yourself and thinking about what you're going to say when somebody offers you, that shot or that beer when you get into their house or their party, they're thinking about, Oh, what, what am I going to do tonight? You know, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to make sure that I have fun tonight and, you know, look good in front of my friends or whatever they're trying to do. Nobody actually cares, Mm -hmm. you know, they're they're And, and they, if they, they should care about what you want to do personally and what makes you feel good. And if they don't, you know, that's, that's kind of a problem that they are going to have to deal with. Like yeah. you said, I, I didn't realize that until like four months into my drinking um, or my not drinking alcohol. And what happened was I wasn't going to go out because I, I didn't go out for the first several months in college. And my, 
my, one of my roommates and I'll never forget this, uh, you know, I really won't because it was so powerful. One of my roommates at the time in my senior year house, um, you know, uh, Andy, Andy Kearns said, said to me, you're not going to come out. And I, I said, no, like, you know, you know, I, I'm not going out right now. I'm not drinking. And he said, look at me, like, I don't give a fuck if you're not drinking. Yeah. Like nobody here does. Yeah. Like, we just want you to have fun with us. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, wait, I can be, I can be sober and have fun. Like it's, it's kind of yeah, like, it's that's exactly like a, right. It's like an eye-opening I was like, moment. Nobody cares. Like Devin, I, I thought that people cared so much at one time, like that I thought they might slip me alcohol, like, yeah. which is literally probably illegal. Um, you know, I thought somebody might hand me a drink with alcohol in it, you know, because they wanted me to drink so bad. And like that, that just wasn't, couldn't be further from the truth. I never had anybody pressure me to drink. I don't know if that's the, the, the case for you. Um, you know, I hope it is. Um, but you know, we're talking about people and in my, in my school that love to, you know, we love to, to drink alcohol together, you know, um, and we had so many good times and they didn't, they didn't, you know, want me to do anything I wasn't comfortable with or didn't want to do. Yeah. I, and I will say, you know, like I said, the overwhelming majority of interactions have been positive. That doesn't mean all interactions were positive. And I can, I, they're very much in the minority, but there were times where I had to deal with some bullshit related to it. And it, it is like you said, it is just, I was at that point when I was confronting it very comfortable in my decision. It, it, you know, very fortunately, people were very supportive at the beginning. It wasn't until, maybe eight or nine months that I had the first, you know, call it negative experience if you want. And again, I'm not talking about just jokes, right? Jokes are one thing. Jokes are just, you know, you're, you're with your friends, you're getting ribbed and that's fine. That's one thing entirely. I'm talking about, like you said, pressuring you into drinking, like repeatedly pressuring when you say, no, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. I'm all set. And they just, it it keeps not come on one drink. Let's have one drink. Let's have one. And it's, that's the part where I remember I was at, um, this one kind of public type of outdoor event where, you know, it was an Oktoberfest type of celebration in Atlanta when I was living there and just, you know, for, it was, it was very well established at this point that I was not drinking alcohol. Most people didn't care. One person evidently did. And, you know, kept just repeatedly the whole day, like, come on, you can't be serious about this whole sobriety thing. Like, come on, let's just lighten up, have a drink. That was one thing you hear, lighten up, right? You know, just let loose, just have a drink. And, you know, again, I kept saying no, no repeatedly. And it's like, as you keep having to do it, you get more and more frustrated because you're just like, do I really have to keep saying this? Like, is this something that really needs to be repeated? And I remember finally just, I'd had enough and I kind of like almost yelled at him, like, and like I said, we were in a public setting and I just, I kind of had to spaz on him a little bit because you just didn't get the message for whatever reason. And then of course, at that point, now I look like the bad guy because I'm the one that's, you know, yelling in public. I'm the one that feels so pressured into this type of thing that I, f- I feel like that defensive that I have to, you know, have that type of reaction to really drive home the message that, look, this is not something that you are going to convince me to do all that it's doing is annoying me. That's it. Like that's all that's happening. And so, yeah, and it's, and it's making you realize, Oh, does this person actually care what I want? And yeah, my life? It's, it's like, is this person, you know, really- are they supportive of the person that I currently am? Because if they're not, you know, then, then maybe I don't want to be around them. And, yeah. and that's, you know, that's something that I've, 
Um, you know, am I friends with every single person, you know, that I, you know, would, would drink heavily with? No. Um, but you know, I, I don't think, unfortunately for me, I just never, I didn't feel like alcohol wedged the gap between me and a lot of my friends. Um, you know, and then they did want to still see me, even if I wasn't, you know, partaking in the drinking or debauchery. Um, and, you know, I think it's the vast minority of people that are, are like that person that you just talked about. Um, but, you know, I would say like, that's, you know, that is a reflection on them and anybody that, you know, I, I actually wrote it in a, a blog that I published today, you know, anybody that supports you just wants the best for you. And, you know, they're going to understand when you're making a certain decision. And if they don't, then, you know, it's, it's, it's time for, for, you know, them to look in the mirror and kind of think about what is, what is going on with them and, you know, why they're, why they're doing something like that. And, and yeah. for that person that's being pressured to really kind of determine if they want to continue to, you know, be friends with them. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is unfortunate that it has to come to that, right? Like it has to, I like, I have to be put in a position where I have to have that thought because it's, you know, especially with some people where, like I said, it, it's only a few instances where this has been the case, but you know, those moments where it's happening, I mean, it's, and, you know, there are different forms of it happening. Some of it is you're being pressured into drink. And again, this guy that I'm describing, I didn't think there was any malicious intent behind it. I didn't think there, I thought it was more kind of just, you know, them being like, Hey, we've had drinks before in the past. I enjoyed them. I want to have another one. You know, it was almost like they just wanted to socialize with you. It wasn't evil. It wasn't, it was, but it was pretty benign, but it was just annoying more than anything. So there's that type of reaction. There's, there's one that I, I like, you know, I guess I can kind of classify as just like, superficial interest do you know what I mean where it's like somebody will ask you about why you went sober kind of just not really listen and then when you're done kind of justify why they drink to you and you know in my head it's like you don't actually care about why I'm doing this you're just kind of like almost justifying it to yourself as to why you know you whatever problems you have with alcohol you're justifying them and maybe are looking at me as somebody who is kind of an antithesis to the way that they're existing, if that makes any sense. Cause I had an experience where I was getting, you know, grilled at a restaurant about why I was sober and I don't understand just again, same thing, just have a drink, just lighten up. You know, for me, it's just not a big deal. And it, it, it was really, really uncomfortable situation where, you know, I, again, I'm just at a restaurant and all of a sudden I'm getting really grilled into why this is the case. And you're just like, why does this need to happen? Why did, why does this person care so much? I don't get it. And you said it earlier, it's not a reflection of me. It's a reflection of the other person. And so, you know, there's that. And then there are obviously the upsetting ones where it's just, Oh, you're a bitch. You're a bitch. You don't drink. You're a pussy. Like that type of thing. That's just bullshit that you just can't even deal with. Like, that's like, I don't even know what to do with that. That's just like, it doesn't happen regularly. It has in the past. It's annoying it's upsetting. It's unfortunate, you know, whatever you want to say about it. I wish it didn't happen at the end of the day. I'm not going to change. I don't care. I'll move on. Everyone will move on. I just really, there's no need for it. You know, there's, it, that's not somebody that's being supportive or being a good friend in my opinion. And so it's, it is unfortunate anytime that that does happen. Um, but it is what it is. You just kind of learn to live with it. Yeah, certainly. Um, and you, you, you live with it because you know, 
and you can keep coming back to the fact that this is something that's so important to you that you, you're going to do it, you know, no matter what. And even if, even if you're getting, you know, you know, those words thrown at you and people not understanding and not accepting, I think, I, you know, that's, but that, but the, this can be a challenge for somebody that's really wavering on whether they want to be sober and, you know, somebody that's not, it isn't as clear that they want to stop, you know, those words can affect somebody, you know, so I would just say, you know, for people to, to, you know, kind of just stay in their own lane and realize that, you know, think about why they're doing something they really want to do and how it would make them feel if somebody didn't accept it, you know, and step into their shoes a little bit, which is clearly something that the people that are doing those things are, are lacking. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you that's why it's easy to just kind of go in one ear out the other with it. Cause again, it's not at all a reflection of like your decision and what you've done. Right. At this point, I know this is the right decision for me. And again, I feel like I need to say that repeatedly because this is all a very personal thing. Everybody has a different relationship with alcohol. Everyone has a different relationship with, I mean, gambling, food, you know, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say, everybody has their own relationship with these things. Alcohol and me had to have a clean break and it's, it's not going to turn around at this point. I just don't see it. Whereas other people who maybe don't understand exactly what I'm, I'm talking about, you know, maybe, maybe listening in that regard to what I'm saying and understanding that this is something that, and that's the thing too, that's kind of frustrating is like the person who thinks, oh, if I just listen to them and kind of describe what I'm doing, I'll convince them to snap out of it. You know, I'll, I'll (laughs) convince them that what they're doing is a fool's errand. It's like, it's just not going to (laughs) happen. It's just really not at this point. Like I'll like, cause the, the really uncomfortable you know, sometimes very stressful, painful moments where this is a very personal, important decision that factors into absolutely everything that I do now. Like one person's drunken tirade is not going to (laughs) persuade me otherwise. It's just not going to happen. So it's, you know, it is, like I said, it is what it is. It's more a reflection of the other person. But at the end of the day, I mean, I don't necessarily think it needs to be the focus of kind of what other people are saying. The, The end result is just believe in what you're doing, right? Have conviction in the decisions that are being made, that it's the right thing. That And it unequivocally was. I knew it was for over a year. I knew pretty clearly that, hey, I just can't use this. This is really, really holding me back. This is an anchor that is holding me down. I'm not achieving what I want to achieve. It's just not happening. And alcohol is the reason why. It's the reason why. And I think in so many ways, whether it's my job or my relationships with friends, family, whoever, my fitness, you know, my hat, my hobbies, my habits, what I'm doing. I don't think it happens any of it realistically, unless I stop drinking. I really don't. I really don't. And I'm, I'm the same way. I, I, I knew I wouldn't accomplish my goals unless I, you know, got rid of this because it was holding me back so much and causing me to be such a different person. And, and Devin, we reflected on this recently. um, And I think it's something good to end with um, and just, and it's just so interesting that because it's such a good example of what you were just saying about the person that isn't understanding or maybe might be, you know, projecting their challenges. When I quit drinking and, and you were kind of struggling with it, you you didn't really want to accept that I wasn't drinking. Oh, yeah. I remember. Um, and, and I know this is, you know, this is probably something that's causes you to feel, you know, bad and, and, and shame shameful with 
but I, and, and just, just to be truthful, and I've talked to you about this, you know, privately, I kind of distanced myself because obviously that I know how bad it feels Yeah, like, you know, to not be supported and to, um, you know, to, to not be heard really. And with, you know, with, with, when you were, you know, experiencing your challenges, you, you know, I think you were just not really in a place where you could understand what I was doing. Um, and we had, you know, a, a period of a couple of years, you know, not a couple of years, it might've been a year when you were, you know, really struggling that we just didn't really see eye to eye on much of anything. Um, you know, and, and I just want you to kind of reflect on that, you know, with the place that you're in now. Well, it's interesting that you bring it up because first of all, I mean, I know we've talked off the record. I, obviously I was in the wrong. I think that's, that's clear as day, but the cynical side of me feels like that anytime I get any shit about it, it's almost like poetic justice for kind of how at the beginning, because I was that person who there was no malicious intent behind it. There was no, you know, evil motives or anything like that. It was more so just, we've had a lot of good times together drinking. Let's go have another one. That was kind of the main point behind it. And of course, you know, being on the other side of it, it's really hard to describe how annoying it is and how, you know, it, it really can just make you feel bad, make you feel bad about yourself, make you feel like, what if I am making the wrong decision? You know, why can't I just quote unquote relax, you know, that type of thing. But that's obviously not the point. The point is that there's a substance that is directly leading me to not live a fulfilling life. And the only answer is to not use it. It's that simple. Like, it's just, it comes back to the person that you want to be, who you see in the mirror. Is that somebody you're proud of? And it's like, in pretty much every way it was no, when I was, when I was just drinking like crazy. And, you know, at a certain point, you reach a certain breaking point where enough was enough. And even if you had people like me who weren't supportive of it, then I won't talk to them, right? Let them figure out their own thing. If we want to have a chat about a few, you know, at a later date, fine. But for the time being, I need to do what I need to do to get myself on the right path. So I obviously apologize that I put you through that. I hope that um, any sort of harbored feelings of resent or anything like that, I, I, I assume are water under the bridge at this point. But uh, like I said, it is almost poetic justice anytime it happens. Like, hey, remember this? Remember what you did to your good friend, Adam? Sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, so it, it can be an uncomfortable thing to go through. And I think it is important for people to kind of understand that because, you know, it, I've been on both sides of it. I can understand why somebody would do it. I can also empathize with how shitty it feels. For sure. And obviously there's, there's zero hard feelings. And I, um, I myself would, would make fun of people that, you know, wouldn't drink on school nights or, you know, we're, we're studying and being a nerd instead of going out, you know, and being irresponsible with me. Um, that's, you know, that's somewhat of the same thing. Um, you know, just making fun of people for doing something that they wanted to do and that was positive for them. I mean, that's, that's in a way it's being, you know, being a kid, it's, you know, it's peer pressure. It's wanting people to do the same things as you, you know, so, so and, you know, so that they're not better than you or they don't think they're better than you or whatever. Um, you know, and it, and this wasn't something that happened, you know, over and over. Um, but it did, obviously, it, as you know, it, it wedges something, you know, a, a, a divide between you and the other person. And you, you obviously don't want to, 
deal with that. So you, you kind of, you know, turn them away. Um, But I do think like, you know, I wish that we, in that moment, you had kind of opened up to me and said, you know, obviously you weren't ready, but it just think of how awesome it would have been if you were like, you know, look, like I, I might've been wanting you to drink just because, you know, it might've made me uncomfortable that you made a decision that I think I might have to, and should at some point, like we could have, and that's what this podcast is all about. We could have flipped the whole, you know, challenge and, and stress and difficult times on its head by talking to each other about what was actually going on with us. Yeah. I mean, it it definitely would have been a good thing. I think it was hard for me at that time because when I was in college, I didn't know that this was an issue. Right. I thought everything that I was doing was totally fine. And you were the crazy one. Right. Because in that moment, you know, it's, you know, why can't this kid just drink? Everyone else is drinking. Right. It's like, I had no idea that I had a problem. So I think it almost, needed yeah, that's to, true. It needed to go the way that it needed to, to, yeah. to kind yeah, of realize, that's fair. you know what I mean? It's like, it kind of went that way for a reason. And again, like I said, I think it's actually perfect poetic justice anytime it happens because it is, you know, I mean, we talk about acceptance and learning from mistakes and, you know, and all of that. It, it is a, it is necessary every now and then to be reminded of past mistakes, you know, just to make sure, Hey, I'm still doing the right thing here and I'm not making a judgment on somebody. And by the way, that goes both ways too. Like it goes both ways where if somebody is drinking, if somebody does decide to use alcohol, that's totally fine. That's completely, totally 150% fine. We don't care. We're not sitting here in judgment. It's not, if anything, I, I find it really important to bring this up. I sit in empathy. It's all empathy because when I look at somebody who's overserved or maybe hungover or not feeling great, I just think that's me that's that's me that was me in that moment that was 100 or even somebody who's having fun i'm like i've been there too right i've under i understand yeah yeah this but, is like and i should do that more because i look at them and i smile and i'm like thank god that isn't me anymore yeah. <laughs> you, you know i can't imagine waking up you know i haven't had a hangover in five day, five years um and, I that. you know and everybody's like oh that's so awesome and you know, it, it is, but at the same time, I haven't had a crazy night, you know, with, I mean, you know, I've had a crazy sober eh, you've night, had some whatever. crazy nights. What? <laughs> yeah. You know, I haven't had a, yeah. I mean, I have fun, but you know, I, I don't get to you let loose like I once did, um, you know, but, but letting loose wasn't a healthy thing is what I realized, um, you know, so, and I can let loose without alcohol. Um, so there, there, it, it, exactly. It's all about empathy. Like you just said, I mean, that that's put perfectly, like this is not, you know, it's, it's a personal decision and that's really all you need to know. And if people put themselves in other people's shoes more often and understood, you know, that everybody's doing what they, what they're best for themselves, you know, then I think we're, we're in a better place. So with that, I wanted to uh, see if you had any other parting words. Um, And I wanted to thank you so much for your time, your openness, your friendship and, uh, you know, being being, uh, you know, my 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 sober, uh, you know, uh, companion and and um, not leaving me alone in this journey um, in terms of like my good friends. Um, So it's really been just incredible to watch you go through this journey and and also 
you know, very validating. And the fact that I'm also going through it, it's, it's been really nice to be able to talk about, you know, things that a lot of people can't relate to. I echo the same for you. Obviously, you were there for me when I was first going through it. And, you know, as you just kind of described, you didn't have to be there for me because I had a bad reaction at the beginning. So obviously, I appreciate that. I love you, brother. I wish nothing but the best in your journey of sobriety, journey of whatever, really, just whatever you're trying to do. You know, you got a clear head and no hangovers. So you got to love that. Yeah, man, I, I love you, too. And uh, once again, thanks so much for coming on. Um, and uh, I'm once again, thank you to everybody that um, not only comes on the show, but any, anybody that listens, anybody that, you know, tells me that what I'm doing is um, is meaningful. Um, you know, I just can't I couldn't have imagined when we were going through what we were, Devin, uh, you know, talking about things like this. Um, you know, that was the scariest thing in the world for me. And why I, it took me three years to talk about how I wasn't happy, um, yeah. you know, and, and it's, and it's not ending, obviously, like this is a thing, this is something that will be maybe not a struggle. Maybe that's not the right word. Cause I feel like we both are in a good spot and are pretty comfortable and confident with the decision, but just there's going to be alcohol in every setting that we're in for the rest of our lives, really. And it's something that isn't going to go away. And you know, that's, again, that's totally fine. People can do what they want to do. Uh, we're going to do what we do. And it's all a matter of just what our personal decision is. Ours is to go sober, but, you know, it's just important that like, it, especially, you know, for people who have substance abuse or people who are addicted, it's not like, oh, I reach an end point and all of a sudden I'm fine. Right. It's like, it is something that is going to, you know, you carry with you. For, yeah. Forever. yeah. It's a journey and, and journey. every day is different. It doesn't Even end. Yeah. I have cravings anymore. You know, I still have, you know, the underlying challenges of, you know, what OCD and for you, it's anxiety, you know, that is always there. Um, And, you know, I think uh, it is always going to be a part of our life. You know, Um, you know, we'll have sober uh, bachelor parties, like, which is just incredible to think about. Um, You know, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't know about you, but I'd like for, you know, my friends to drink at mine. Um, but it's something I never imagined going to, you know, weddings sober. That used to be something that I would think about all the time. Like, how am I going to go to all these events, you know, and not drink like, and you know, what the solution to that was, was take it one day at a time. You know, you're not going to be able to, you know, understand and be okay with the fact that you're not going to drink at an event like that. Um, you know, overnight, like it's going to take time. Um, and so, you know, another question I get is, will you drink at some point in your life again? And, you know, the answer is no, because I don't see any value. I I have the exact same life. I have a better life without it. Um, you know, so I don't really see that changing. Um, you know, and, and the challenges don't just go away even, you know, it's not like if you put in your good time without it, you know, you get time with it, you know, it's not, it's, that's not how it works. You know, it's a substance that my body doesn't mesh well with. So, you know, I don't want to do it. And, you know, I think the fact that we made that decision should be celebrated. And the fact that other people make the decision to drink and, and have fun and responsibly and, 
you know, and all that should also be celebrated. Yeah, just people need to figure out how to get through this crazy world in the best way they can for us. And then going sober for others, that's not on the table. And that's fine. It's totally exactly. fine. And exactly. I, I will say, I think a conversation like this is important, though, because I, I know we're not, you know, the only people who have had those thoughts of maybe this isn't good for me. So if anyone's listening and maybe is going to make a decision based on anything we're saying or you know, anything of that nature. I don't necessarily surmise that we're accomplishing that, but you know, even if one person can, have you never a, know, man, you just never know. You, never know. you just never know if, even if somebody has a conversation with a loved one and all of a sudden, you know, it spurns something who even knows. Um, so yeah, no, I, I appreciate you having me on and, you know, next time you're in Boston, we'll have a no duels together. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. And uh, yeah, it, yeah, and everybody uh, raised two glasses in, in honor of Devin and I and the journey we've been on. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll drink my Diet Coke. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'll, have my, I'll have my chamomile tea. <laughs> it, exactly. Well, now that's soft. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> that is something I can make fun of. Yeah. Um, hey, thanks, Devin. Uh, and, um, you know, I, uh, I'm just so thankful and um, – to everybody else listening, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. And uh, I hope everybody stays well and um, continues to enjoy this. Thank you so much.